This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey guys, we're finally doing Crime Scene Queens. So happy to be here. Oh, it's finally here. Thank goodness. I think we owe our listeners kind of some really good, good stories. Yeah, so it took us a while to get here. We had to listen to a whole bunch of true crime stuff and kind of cringe before we finally decided to pull the trigger and get a forensic-based show on the books, Shelly. True crime forensic-based on the books. And by the way, the we, I'm Shelly. I've been in the legal field for about 25 years, so I guess you could kind of say that I'm crusty, but I don't really like that. So I'm thinking maybe can I be like a legal cougar? Well, I kind of like you, crusty. It just uh, is my favorite part of the bread. So I'll keep you crusty if you don't mind. All right. Well, then, I mean, you know, but I'd still maybe kind of like to be a legal cougar or like a courtroom bitch or legal beagle or maybe a courtroom rat or, you know, something like that. Well, beagles are my favorite dog, so I'm definitely going to go ahead and stick with legal beagle. Plus it rhymes, so... (laughs) Okay. All right. So yeah, that's who I am. And not only am I in the legal field, I actually teach forensics. I teach crime scene investigations. I teach forensic professionals and law enforcement officers courtroom testimony. Right. Which is super important because I know that like a lot of people get tripped up in court, but not me though. And speaking of me, I'm Laura. I have been in crime scene investigation since 2010 and I absolutely love it. I have been deep diving in the field to the point where now I am a professor of crime scene investigation down here in Florida where I live. So as if there aren't enough forensic shows based in Florida, everything from Dexter, the Glades. I mean, hell, CSI Miami is practically Saturday Night Live famous. So bologna sandwiches. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think about what else would be relevant because... Well, how long you been doing what you do? Because I've been in legal field for 25 years. Right. So uh, I actually started working on forensic cases in college because I was in grad school. So I shadowed a very popular and wonderful forensic anthropologist. And I still remember my very first dead person. I think we all maybe do in this field. And oh yeah, officially on the books in the job since 2010. So it's been a hot minute. That's pretty rad. So I can remember the reason that I actually got into forensics and the case that I was working on, which Mm -hmm. triggered that. And it was just so interesting that I couldn't just set it down. I had to just continue on. I, I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't look away. So case I was working on. And it was so incredibly interesting that I said, you know what? I think I feel like I should get a degree in this. And here I am now. Well, what was so interesting about it? Everything about forensics is super interesting. I was the typical watch all the CSI shows. Mm -hmm. I I loved forensic files. I loved a bunch of those crazy. uh, Some of them were true. And then some of them, you know, a little a little over the top. Uh, You know, I I love Dateline. So I was one of those girls. So you were a fangirl at first. Oh, I totally I was a forensic fangirl. Yes. And now I graduated to 
oh, come on, can I please be like a legal cougar? Because I graduated to that. I think that I'll go ahead and give you a pass to be a legal cougar. Yes. All right. So I guess I can say that I'm Shelly and I was a forensic fangirl graduated to a legal cougar. I love it. Legal. Oh. You have to like make a sound effect when you say that though. Rawr. It has to be like, rawr, yeah. Rawr. <laughs> like whatever noise you make before you pounce on that man of yours, you should totally make on this show. I'm down for it. <laughs> Look at her face. Interesting. <laughs> I know you guys can't see Shelly, but I can see Shelly. And she looked like way too excited for like, this to be. This is not a family show. This is so not a family show. Simply because of the face you can't see. <laughs> so speaking of the show. Yeah. Like, what the heck is this show? Well, you and I are here as the crime scene queens, and we are here to finally do a show that is forensically based and not just retelling all of the same murder stories that you've heard on Netflix, on Investigation Discovery, on Dateline, and on literally one of the pick the millions of true crime podcasts that you have heard or maybe listened to. We are here to talk about forensic science. Sure, we're definitely still going to be doing death investigation stories, but we're going to be paying a little bit more respect to victims and their families by not calling them out by name. Absolutely. And we're going to give you the the real true crime stuff, the nitty gritty, the stuff that we've done. We're going to tell you about our crime scenes. We're going to tell you about the things that we've witnessed, that we've seen, how it affects us, how it affects the families. This is yeah. coming straight from girls who have done this. Right. So the crime scene queens, though we may be a little snarky at times, we do have a heart. So that's what we're here to convey both sides of the story. There's going to be gallows humor. There's going to be a little crudite. Not really crudite. Mostly crudity. There's going <laughs> to be shock. There's going to be awe. There's going to be gore. There's going to be glamour. But at the end of the day, we're also here because we care about forensics and we care about justice for victims. We're going to shock the conscience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll be explaining that one. Yeah, I'm actually interested in hearing more about that from you, Shell. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of terminology and whether it's legal or whether it's forensics that you and I are going to dissect and we're going to talk about some relevant stories. Right. And so like you shared kind of how you got into this. So the way that that happened for me I was in college taking a lot of really random classes. I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but naturally now I work with the dead. So I went from maybe helping people live to helping people that are already maybe not doing so well. <laughs> like the chance is much, much, much less great. So I was taking a lot of anatomy because I was very fascinated with science. I was taking art because I love to draw and it kind of was a time filler in a way on my schedule, it was an easy A. And one day I just signed up for a forensic psychology class and I really ended up liking that. So then I signed up for another forensics class and another one and another one and another and one. Again. And again, again, and again, and again. And so then next thing I know, my major is changed to forensics and I meet my mentor. And then next thing I know after that, I'm gonna go ahead and commit financial suicide by getting a graduate degree. <laughs> we That's definitely just, need yeah. to talk about yeah. the financial suicide in CSI. Yeah, because it doesn't stop with education, guys. Crime scene investigation, you're not gonna get rich doing it. Spoiler oh, no. alert, spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler alert, you're gonna get rich in your noggin because it's yeah. very interesting, but in your pocket, it's gonna be empty. You can be rich in spirit. <laughs> 
Yeah, because that's what everyone needs nowadays. So I just kind of want to tell you something really weird about me. You were talking about how you wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. And I thought that I wanted to go into the medical field. I've always wanted to do mm -hmm. legal and medical. So I said, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to be a doctor when I was little. Well, <laughs> see how well that worked out for me. So yeah, actually, I can totally see death and it doesn't bother me, but I cannot see a person in pain. Nope. Nope. Right. Can't do it. Yeah, I have to say that that's definitely one of the harder elements of the job is the exposure to maybe a victim's family. Or, I mean, there are a few death investigations that, of course, get in. But when you have to witness people in the depths of their grief, that does seem like something that there is not really education that can properly prepare you for that. That's a part of a forensics curriculum anyways, or at least not currently. Maybe these things are up and coming. Or they yeah. could listen to our show and they could kind of get some ideas and they could mm -hmm. maybe, you know, do what we do. Because I, I definitely have some ideas on how I was able to cope with seeing right. certain gross things. Yeah. I mean, coping mechanisms are a must, you know, whether that's with a professional or if you have your own internal ways to kind of walk away and leave things at the door with you and not carry them when you go. But I mean, I actually remember that the way that I started my first crime scene investigations job was kind of crazy shell. Um, <laughs> so tell me more. Yeah. Okay. So basically I get hired into a four person crime scene unit. So I would be the fourth person. That's a lot of people actually. Yeah, it was. And that's why I was kind of really excited. I have four different people to learn from. Each one of them can offer their unique perspective and I can learn something different. And it's just like a really holistic way to enter the field is to have a lot holistic. of different opinions. Time so, out. Time out. You said holistic. <laughs> I write yoga instructor. I don't mean holistic like crunchy. I mean holistic like all encompassing. Like holistic means like in this context broad like I, it's not okay just so like you, holistic like with a w like whore yeah no not yeah um no it's still spelled <laughs> of course you would say that skank face of course odd. no i mean <laughs> that, that's why we're together oh i know i know and i love it so much holistic in this one like i'm not talking about my yoga side i'm not talking about like oh like let's have some Ayurvedic medicine. I'm talking about like a broad perspective on the field so that you're not short-sighted by like gathering this from all these different people. So there were three others and I got hired and less than three months later, all three of them were out of the unit. One person went to the police academy because he wanted to be a police officer. One person had to have a major surgery that took her out for I think from beginning to end, she was out of work for nine or 10 months. And then wow. the third person said the wrong thing to a lieutenant about the call out schedule. Bro, and bro. so she got kicked out of the crime scene unit. Oh my um, goodness. Right. So then what they did is they assigned me a service aide to the crime scene unit. And eventually the intention was for her to become a full-fledged crime scene investigator too. And I feel bad for her because she had no forensic education background or experience doing That's the really worst. anything. And then they stuck her with me, who was a brand new employee. <sighs> Boots on the ground, let's go. All right, let me let me give you the Quentin Tarantino version of this story, which is I'm gonna tell you the end first. Yeah, backwards. Absolutely. My nickname a couple of months later became the Grim Reaper. Okay, literally the Grim Reaper because nice. it was now just me and somebody that 
I think is fair to say wasn't qualified to go on a crime scene by themselves, considering how I didn't feel comfortable going on a crime scene by myself because I had had like one month of on the job training. (laughs) One month. (laughs) Because the universe or God or whatever you believe in has a sense of humor. There were more deaths in our jurisdiction that summer than there have been in the history of the city. And I was the only person on call. So normally for our audience to understand, because crime doesn't happen from nine to five, crime scene investigators, unless you have a very large staff that has multiple shifts, will typically have a call out rotation, much like a doctor would. Yeah, you have to leave your bed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you have to leave your bed. So because I was the only one, guess who is on call 24-7? 24-7. It was literally an entire, I think it was eight entire months that I was on call by myself. Wow. Responding to literally every scene, regardless of what it was. And sometimes there's a crime scene and then another crime scene in the same night and then another crime scene in the same night. And typically when that happens, they will solicit relief for you because you're too tired. From a neighboring county. Right. Um, no, no, no. I mean, like if you had a crime, a normal crime scene unit and you had like coworkers, oh, somebody yeah, would yeah. be there to come help you. But not only did I not have help other than this girl who, by the way, did end up catching up and like learning very quickly. So I, I want to give her credit where credit is due. But even with her being diligent, it was like, literally, if you want to talk about learning on the job from zero to 60, there is not a better way to describe that. But you did ask other jurisdictions, Shell. That is how I solicited help. I called like the sheriff's office, because I was at a local police department for a city. And so I called the county sheriff and asked them to help. And they were so wonderful. They helped me. They taught me new things. They allowed me to ask them questions. And I also leaned on the death investigators from the medical examiner's office. But I got that nickname, Grim Reaper, because of the insane amount of deaths. And they were all like crazy deaths. They just wanted you to go from zero to 60 in no time and from, you know, complete zero experience to an expert. Well, honestly, it molded me into a way better CSI. I learned how to source things when I didn't have materials. CSI at times is arts and crafts. You need, you know, an evidence box for something that doesn't fit in the materials that you have. You figure it out. Popsicle sticks. Popsicle sticks. You need to collect an entire mattress. Well, I guess we're going to go buy some kind of, you know, like those mattress covers that they have for people that pee the bed. Collected a mattress in that, even though that was I may or may not still have one on my bed. Well, that's okay. I mean, I know you're not peeing the bed. Nope. (laughs) Slut. Nope. Uh, (laughs) Whore with the W. I love it, Shelly. God. (laughs) By the way, I don't, just for those of you to not like jump up my butt about like slut shaming, I'm totally just kidding. She has a very sexy man and I like to like elbow, like nudge her about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So yeah, I literally, when I say I joined crime scene investigating, I joined crime scene investigating. And- I mean, it was great. I know that it sounds like it was a lot and it was, and I was very tired, but I look back on that memory and it actually is one of the best summers of my life. I was doing something that I loved. I worked with great detectives. I met my husband. 
during that Aww, time. Oh, your handsome husband. I know. And it's so funny because one of my mentors at uh, the college I went to, I called him when I told him that I got hired with my first crime scene job. And he was so funny because he goes, hmm, congratulations. Don't sleep with anybody or they're never going to respect you. <laughs> oh, you know, that's actually that that is some great advice. Don't ever mix business with pleasure. Well, to be fair, I only did it one time and we and did married get married. Him. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I did break the rule, but I feel like it wasn't a true violation of his advice. Th that's why he was telling you, because he wanted to marry you. No, he didn't. He had like this really hot wife, but <laughs> he was much older than I was. This was when I was. Um, oh, I mean, I must have been 25. And he Did he just was... text you one day and just say he was doing hot guy shit to not bug him? No. <laughs> oh, my husband? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, um, the way that I met him was there was a uh, drug sales interaction that went poorly. And hopefully this was in the professional arena and not your personal life. No, this wasn't. So <laughs> basically there was an exchange of gunfire that resulted in one individual being struck multiple times by bullets and also his car. So I was processing the crime scene. I did all of my work on the victim and the car had been relocated to a garage that was owned by the PD for safekeeping until I could get there to process it. And my husband was the officer that was put in charge of supervising the vehicle in the meantime. And, and he saw this hotty toddy blondie and said, hey, hey. Well, he did think that, of course. Obviously. Um, <laughs> Blondes well, are best. I had this other memory because like, I remember I arrived at the garage to process the vehicle and he popped out of his car and he was playing some stupid elf game on his phone. And then he comes and says, like introduces himself to me and he goes, are you wearing Chanel Chance? And I said, Yes. Did you just smell me? <laughs> <laughs> Is he a dog? <laughs> um, I think he's just has not the ability to filter what's in his brain when it comes out his mouth, which is good and bad for me now. <laughs> yeah, especially probably when it comes to women. Well, then he did get to watch me bend over as I took pictures of like bullet holes in the car. So Oh, obviously. Obviously. Yes. I mean, you know, you could have squatted, but, you know, you chose to bend over. And who's the whore? Um, well, first of all, I needed that 90 degree photograph, Shelly, and squatting can't always do the trick. And I knew what I was doing. I have a really good butt. <laughs> Truth be told. All that yoga. All that yoga. Yeah. When you say namaste, I say namaste. I'm on PJs. I'm going to drink some wine, maybe some beer, maybe have a namaste cocktail. Namaste in bed. Namaste in wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's my namaste. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so how did you get into the legal field? Oh, man. So I got in the legal field because I was kind of going through some stuff with my mm -hmm. son. And I was sick of cashing out my retirement and thought... I could totally do this myself. What am I paying people for? 
And to me, it was just common sense. And I also, I've always had an interest in the legal field and medical field. So I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to just jump into this. I was uh, managing a hardware store at the time. And I thought, I don't want to make this my career. I need to do something really good with my life. So law school is where I went and trotted off to that. And, uh, you know, 25 years later, here I am. I actually didn't know that story. And I really, really like it because you hear a lot about these single mothers who basically run out of money to pay lawyers. And the fact that you sourced and like used your brain and you're like, screw this, I'm just as intelligent as my representation is really a neat story. And I'm sure your son likes it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a boy. He really could probably care less. But, you know, I mean, if it was a girl, he would totally think that it was just such a special story. But I'm sure one day he'll fine. like have a yeah. visibility of what you did to sacrifice for him. Right. Yeah. And then so, you know, I'm I'm hanging on legal field, doing my thing, kind of moving around, doing what we do. And then I've always loved the medical stuff. But after mm-hmm. having my son, I was, oh man, the side of blood. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't hang. So I can't stand seeing people in pain, couldn't see the side of blood and thought, all right, well, medical field's out. But it was really weird because I, every night watched crazy crime shows. So, you know, from the true crime ones uh, to just some that aren't so true or they're true, but they kind of embellish a little bit. <laughs> and Making a murderer, right? Yeah, oh, that was that was super fun. But season you know, two, they, yeah, they just kind of you know they make it they they sexify things. So you oh, know, I, yeah, yeah. So and I was really interested, and I thought you know like I really want to know what they do. I really want to do what they do, but you know I'm in the legal field, so I don't think that's ever going to happen. And then this case, you know, I had a couple cases, and then this really interesting one fell on my lap, and I was so intrigued because there was blood spatter, and at the time, didn't know that it was called blood spatter, thought it Uh-oh. was blood splatter, because mm-hmm. had zero forensics in me. So I saw this crazy scene, and we're trying to figure out, because you know it was, it was an officer-involved shooting, and the officers, their recollection, and they're doing their walkthrough on the scene, and they're saying, you know, this piece of furniture wasn't here, And it was over here. And so stuff was different. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's, you know, of course, obviously in the legal field, you know, you're talking about, you know, tunnel vision, that kind of stuff, whatever. Right. But then, you know, I'm looking and I'm going, well, actually, they might be right. So I'm looking at the blood spatter on a piece of furniture and I'm thinking, how did that get there? How did that happen? Did you see a void pattern or something? Yeah, it was really weird. But the void pattern was almost across the room. So how did that happen? And, you know, if they're talking about they were standing here, they were shooting from this direction. How did this how did this all play out? And it was so interesting to me. And so I actually had to interview a forensic evidence tech, which is a crime scene investigator. They sometimes go by different names. Yeah. And one of my jobs called us ID, ID techs. And I hated that. If, oh, I that's mean, lame. Our, we were crime scene investigators. And they, yeah, no, ID tech. Yeah. And then the HR department were the wenches that wouldn't change it to crime scene investigation. Like ID tech was a title that they had come up with in like the 80s because they didn't have a formal name for forensics or crime scene investigation. That's that. Yeah, that that's crap. It was awful. Yeah, that sounds that sounds horrible. But yeah, so there's a bunch of different names, you know, depending on where you're at. I mean, there's different names throughout, you know, the counties, cities in different states. So, you know, all throughout the country, there's everyone goes by a different name pretty much. So um, I had to interview this one and 
she was so interesting. I had to, you know, ask her about her education and then ask her about what she did on the scene. And when I asked her about her education, I said, you know, like, this is interesting. So tell me more about your education because, uh, you know, we have to put it in this declaration, this legal Mm -hmm. stuff. And she was like, nope, that's it. And I said, wait, you went to one school and now you're able to do what you do? And she said, yeah, it's actually one of the best schools is on the West Coast. And that's where I went. And I went, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking into this. And actually, later that day, I pulled it up online, Google searched the school, Google searched the program and signed up. And here I am now. Yeah. That's awesome, Shell. Yeah. So now, um, you know, I got my degree and because I do work for the county, I can't get paid to go on crime scene. So I have to volunteer my time to do that, which I don't mind. I love it. That's always fun. And I also have uh, been to a bunch of the forensics conferences and that's where I met a couple people got some mm-hmm. connections and now actually that's where I met you as well that's where you met me mm-hmm. oh half heart half uh so heart. other half other half other half heart yeah so mm-hmm. I actually teach forensics I teach crime scene investigation and then I also get to teach courtroom testimony for forensic professionals and law enforcement so I have an exciting fun job that is outside my regular job I love that yeah I mean I think we all need something that kind of fills the cup, so to say. So it's really cool that both of the things that you do tie in with one another because one allows you to do the other job better. Oh, 100%. And, you know, one definitely is a steady source of income. So, you know, pays the mortgage. And the other one is a lot of fun money. So I like to travel. I like to go on vacations and spend money. So to spend money, you got to make money. I always tell people that I have an issue with the three L's, Lily Pulitzer, Lululemon, and Louis Vuitton. Oh, boy. I don't know that life. <laughs> I'm not bougie like that. A hundred and fifty percent. I'm bougie like that. All right. I'm not going to lie. I have some of that, but you know, okay. whatever. In fact, my wardrobe is slowly starting to fade into like all Lululemon because of sheer comfort and laziness. I don't even know if it should be laziness, but I don't have a better way to articulate that right now. So we're, we're kind of just stick a pin in it. But hey, you look good in it, right? I do, you know, and it can be very easily converted from day to night. But besides the point, because, you know, we can't unfortunately take Lululemon onto a crime scene unless you are wearing it underneath. We wore polos. I know that people have different crime scene uniforms, but every city I ever worked for, we wore tactical pants and a polo. And if we were lucky, it was a dry fit. And if we were even luckier, it was a no stink dry fit. Speaking of uh, kind of floating into the job, do you remember your very first scene? Oh, you don't forget your very first scene. Absolutely, I do. You remember yours, right? I do. So you go first, and then I'll do mine. Who? My very first scene. Well, I guess I could say my very first scene was an autopsy. And it was very interesting. Without going into too much detail about the autopsy, uh, there was a little bit of cirrhosis of the liver. There was Mm -hmm. a little bit of stroke in the brain. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of uh, rigor. Ah. Yeah, that sound is something that's just... The smell and the sound are two things that I will never forget. Right. So the smell of autopsies is quite interesting. It's something that 
I think at first you might just want to die. Kind of smells like ammonia, right? It's putrid. It's, yeah. it's something that you just can't describe. And yeah. if you're inexperienced and you think you take everyone's advice about, you know, oh, put Vicks in your nose. <laughs> that just opens your nasal passages and cavities. And guess what? You're smelling like autopsy for the next like two, three days. So don't listen to that advice. And then the sound, the sound of breaking rigor is what uh, is oh, just. Oh, the crack. Yeah. And the yeah. pops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I know, remember the first time I heard that too. I literally thought that somebody broke something. Yeah, it's really weird because, you know, people think that it may sound like if you pop your back. Oh, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. It's way louder. No, not at all. Yes, yes. I don't I don't know if uh, if if they can even portray it on Jackass or on any of these uh, TV shows properly. <laughs> well, you know, I think the thing about when, like, they have to break rigor um, to either move a body, get off a piece of jewelry, or, like, conduct the autopsy. Take prints. Yeah, or take prints or something of that nature. The first few times you hear it, it, it actually sounds like they're hurting the person. And there's like a dysmorphia that happens where you know that they're dead. You have an awareness of that, but you're like, oh my God, be nice, you know, <laughs> because it's such yes. a dramatic noise and it, it takes so much force depending on the stage of rigor that they're in, that you can literally feel like they've just snapped the person's extremities off of their body. Oh, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right. So that's definitely a sound I wouldn't forget. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was that was my first autopsy uh, out in the field. That one, there was a guy in full rigor, and he was in a vehicle, and he was the vehicle was stuck against a fence, mm-hmm. and there weren't a lot of small people around that could really fit in the vehicle to either put it because the vehicle was still in drive. Mm -hmm. So there weren't very many small people that could fit inside the vehicle and also climb on top of this deceased person to push the brake to be able to put the vehicle in reverse so that they could actually pull the body out because he was full rigor. So he was like stuck in there. Yeah. So being a small girl, well, that was fun. You pulled it out. Yeah. Was it heavy? Because usually when they're in full rigor, they're pretty heavy. Oh, no. I I pulled the vehicle out. I was able to jump on the lap. and Oh, my God. You sat on the lap? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Did you put down a tarp or anything between you and the body? No. Did you wear wear a Tyvek? No. No. I just... I I raw dog that. Of course you did. Yes, I did. (laughs) That's what an experience is. Like I said, I remember that was my first actual scene. put on a Tyvek. You know, sometimes it's like the mattress thing. You know, you just don't have all that stuff handy and you got to so do what you, you got to do, do you before do. the news comes. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my first crime scene was actually the one that I mentioned earlier about the, sh- the shooting gone bad where I met my husband. So I think that what I'll tell you the story of is my first death investigation. And it's actually a little sad, which I know isn't the attitude of this show, but it does have a funny element, which is the attitude of this show. Yes. A woman was found in her backyard deceased. And just to set up the way this looks, her backyard opened into a very small grassed area that had a decline into a creek. And it wasn't a very deep creek, but there were rocks um, kind of lining the edges of it and then somewhat on the bottom. 
And what we were able to piece together is that she had taken her dog outside for a walk and the dog poopied in the grass and she bent down to pick up the poop. And, and she only was, a mom says poopied. Okay, shit. Um, so then, <laughs> so she bent down to pick up the poop and she was wearing those Skechers shoes that they were trying to advertise would actually provide you with fitness. Like they had the rocking motion. Oh yeah. So when she bent down to pick up the poop, she fell backwards and rolled down this hill and ended up hitting her head on the rocks and unfortunately drowning because she passed out. So she wasn't Humpty Dumpty. Right. So this was before all of my coworkers had departed. I was shadowing somebody else on the crime scene. And the woman that I was shadowing was instructed by the detective, well, you should definitely collect the dog poop. What, what for? That's what she asked him. She's like, why do I need to collect the poop? And he said, well, it tells the story. And she said, well, I have pictures of it. Which, by the way, as the new girl, there was no way on God's green earth that I was going to argue with a detective or a sergeant or literally anybody on scene. I was just going to be like a good little new CSI and do whatever I was told. So I went and got an evidence bag and I was going to collect this poop. And, she's and they're like, laughing at you. Yeah. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not putting poop in my van, especially when it doesn't. And I had to witness this whole big like pissing contest between her and the detective. And then I guess she at some point decides to rope in the evidence technician who would have to house said poop. And that chick was like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. This is not a homicide. This is a case of accidental death. This poop did not murder this woman. Is the poop the suspect? Possibly. Yeah. Dogs can I mean, be suspects. Yeah, but this dog had done the deed and moved along with his life. He didn't push her, you know? So my Maybe first... Maybe tripped her in her I know, flops. My, my first death investigation centered around some seemingly innocent poop. You got the shit out of that deal. I sure did. Oh, <laughs> but I think that it's a great time to wrap up. So if you really liked what you heard, make sure that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get all of the podcasts that you're listening to. And make sure you tell your friends about us as well. Right. So subscribe to our show. And just remember, if you're going to die... Do your local crime scene unit a favor and die in an interesting way. Keep it interesting. So until next time, adios. See you later. Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production. Executive producers David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate DeFort. Theme song and music by Darren Johnson. <laughs>